Hey everybody, it's Pastor Nathan here with Mosaic Church. I'm so excited to tell you that today we have a very special edition of Thursday's R for Thinking. Today you're going to be hearing from Pastor Jack Hammonds. Jack and his wife Onita have been a part of Mosaic for just over two years, but before that, Jack pastored for over 50 years. He's got an amazing history in the ministry, and we are so glad that he's here today. One of the things that I love about Jack more than just his heart for Jesus and people is that he is one of the best storytellers I have ever met. Today, he's going to be blessing us by bringing us back into some stories of the early church, how Christians at other times in history have dealt with things just like this, where plagues and pestilence came against them. He's going to talk to us about how they responded and also how we should too. I hope that you'll enjoy this. I know that if you listen, it will enrich your spirit. So here we go. Without further ado, Pastor Jack Hammonds. Hello, I'm pleased to be sharing with you today on Thursdays Art for Thinking. And I want to talk about an episode in early church history that I think can be instructive and also inspiring to Christians in the midst of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. And this story is the story of Cyprian's plague. Between 250 and 271 AD, the Roman Empire was devastated by one of the deadliest plagues in its history. It was a pandemic. It started in Ethiopia, spread from there to North Africa, then to Italy, and then the Western Empire. We can't know for sure what the disease was, though the best educated guess of medical experts and historians is that it was related to Ebola. And it is estimated that at the height of the outbreak, 5,000 people a day died in the city of Rome. And perhaps a quarter of the population of the empire were killed off by the plague. And it's called Cyprian's Plague, named for the Christian Bishop of Carthage, which is modern Tunisia. And uh, Cyprian is one of the early church fathers He was a very influential theologian, and he gave very vivid and colorful accounts of this plague in his sermons and in his writings. And even secular historians refer to this pandemic in the third century as the plague of Cyprian. And what is most striking about Cyprian's plague is the difference, the the huge difference between how pagans and Christians responded to it. The pagan Romans, they didn't know what to do with this massive outbreak of this mysterious disease, this contagion. So they basically did nothing except to plead to their gods and make sacrifices to their gods, seeking to appease the gods because their only explanation for this plague was that they had done something to anger the gods and were being punished for whatever it was they had done. They didn't even know what it was. So that was really what they did. And those in the uh, wealthy class, the the upper crust of Roman society, they fled and uh, went to their country estates. It's interesting that there was another plague a century before this that is called the Plague of Galen, and Galen was the foremost Roman physician of the time. He, he was like the Surgeon General of the Roman Empire. So Galen, this great physician, when the plague started, that plague, he just left. He, he fled, went, went miles and miles and miles away to his country estate. Because even though he was the foremost physician of the day, 
he, he did not know what to do, except just placate the gods if possible and just let the plague run its course. But uh, the response of Christians, both to that plague in the second century, and then the one we're focusing on uh, today, that's called Cyprian's plague, was strikingly different from the pagan response. And uh, one eyewitness of Cyprian's plague, another bishop, Bishop uh, Dionysius of Alexandria, wrote that although the plague did not discriminate between pagans and Christians, both were afflicted by it, its full impact fell on the pagans. The reason for that will become evident here in a little bit. Dionysius, having noted the difference between the responses of Christians and non-Christians in Alexandria, where he was bishop, he wrote this. He said, at the first onset of the disease, they, the pagans, pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest. In other words, their family members, their grandparents, their parents, their children, and pushed the sufferers away and threw them into the roads before they were dead. So it was a situation where someone in your family comes down with this contagious disease. So immediately you just open the door and push them out into the, into the road before they're even dead. And he also says they treated the unburied corpses as dirt, hoping thereby to avert the spread and contagion of the fatal disease, but do what they might they found it difficult to escape, except, of course, for those who were very wealthy and had country estates. So the pagans' response to the plague was characterized by panic, even terror, and also self-protection and self-preservation at all costs. It was looking out for number one. That was the pagan response. The Christian response was the opposite. As the sociologist and religious demographer Rodney Stark memorably put it, the Christians ran into the plague. The pagans ran away from the plague. The Christians ran into the plague. And to quote Dionysius again, he says, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick within the Christian community, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ and with them departed this life serenely happy. So here were Christians ministering to one another, and those who contracted the disease and were, were faced with death, they departed from this life, he said, serenely happy. And that was because of their rock-solid assurance of going to be with Christ and living with him forever. Now, going back to Cyprian, for whom the plague is named. Remember, he was the Bishop of Carthage, which was the third largest, most prominent city in the Roman Empire at that time, after Rome itself and Alexandria. He urged the Christians in Carthage to serve not only their fellow Christ followers who were infected with this plague, but also to serve their pagan neighbors. And in his sermons, he told his flock, he said, there's nothing remarkable in you lovingly caring for our own people. But we must do something more than the heathens by overcoming evil with good, which is, of course, what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, what Paul taught. And, quoting Cyprian, by practicing a merciful kindness of God. So they should show love to their enemies as well as one another. 
Now, an interesting thing to note here is that this plague was taking place at a time when the church was experiencing one of the most severe persecutions in the history of the early church. In fact, there were many pagans who fingered the Christians as being to blame for the plague because they felt the Christians, because they had forsaken the pagan gods, had angered the gods, and therefore the plague had come. So you had these these pagans who were hostile to the Christians. But here you have Cyprian standing up in his pulpit Sunday after Sunday and saying to his flock, go out there, run into the plague, and care for your pagan neighbors who are your enemies. And so the Christians in Carthage and other cities went out on a magnificent mission of mercy. They went out into the streets where these bodies had just been left to rot, and they buried the bodies. They visited the sick and the dying to pray for them and to care for them with just very basic elementary nursing care, uh, washing their bodies, offering them water and food, trying to console them. And they were doing that for their pagan neighbors, for their enemies, as well as for their brothers and sisters in Christ. And in his book, The Triumph of Christianity, Rodney Stark says that by administering such elementary nursing to the sick, the Christians significantly decreased the mortality rate among themselves and among non-Christians whom they cared for. Stark estimates that the death rates in cities which had Christian communities, which had a strong Christian presence, the death rates in those cities were close to half that of other cities without a strong Christian presence. And it's because of how they were simply caring for one another and caring for the pagans the best way that they could. So you have this courageous, compassionate, sacrificial response of the church to the pandemic of the third century. And this had a powerful evangelistic effect and impact on the watching pagan world. The pagans were compelled to say, as Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, had predicted back in the second century, that they would say, the pagans would say, see how these Christians love one another? See that they are willing to lay down their lives for their friends? So they were amazed at this. And they were amazed even more that the Christians risked their lives by contact with the sick, the dying, and the corpses in the streets and faced the threat of death to themselves with courage. And it was not the courage that came from the fatalism of Stoic philosophy, but rather the courage that came from a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And they saw them doing these things not just for the members of their own faith community, but for those outside the community, for the pagans, for those who'd been openly hostile to them. And, and these, these pagans who had attacked the Christians, who had cursed them, who had thrown rocks at them, who had spit on them, who had done all these things when the persecution started, they, they were just overwhelmed that these Christians would show compassion and would show kindness to them. And so they were compelled to say, not only see how these Christians love one another, they were also compelled to say, see how these Christians love us.
see how they love their enemies. So, following Cyprian's plague, the church experienced unprecedented exponential growth as throngs and throngs of pagans were drawn to Christ and committed their lives to him because of the radical witness of Christians who had run into the plague to serve its victims. So, we look at this story in the light of the plague that we are experiencing today, the COVID-19 pandemic. And we say, what can we learn from this story? What applications can it have for Christians uh, facing this pandemic in our time today? So just two or three things by way of application. Ironically, the best way we can run into the plague of coronavirus is by social distancing. Because in contrast to the Christians in the time of, of Cyprian, we live in a culture with this vast, advanced medical knowledge of deadly viruses and epidemics and pandemics, none of which was known to people then. And for many centuries to come, there was such primitive medicine and, and so little knowledge of what caused diseases and all of that. By the grace of God, we are living in a time where we have this vast advanced medical knowledge about these things and how to, how to deal with them. And because of the undeniable evidence that the spread of COVID-19 can be dramatically slowed by social distancing, the most loving thing we can do for the people in our city is to stay home. And also, within the loving limits of social distancing, one way we can run into the plague is by interceding for our neighbors. And of course, we can intercede for them at home, but we can also go outside on walks. You know, we need to go out and walk for exercise, but we can turn those walks into prayer walks. Prayer walk defined by uh, an old friend of mine, Steve Hawthorne, as praying on site with insight. Praying on site with insight. And so we can go on prayer walks in our neighborhoods, just up and down the streets. And as we, as we do so, we're just asking the Lord to give us insight into what needs may be there. And we can also just pause to, to extend our hands toward people's houses and just invoke blessings of protection and healing and grace and peace on all of those who live there. That's one way we can run into the plague. Also, we can and we must. This is an imperative. We must pray for our brothers and sisters who are physicians and healthcare workers because they literally run into the plague every single day by treating sufferers of the COVID-19 disease in overrun hospitals and clinics in, in, in extremely difficult circumstances that they were not prepared for. And we have brothers and sisters. We have members of our church in Mosaic who are running into the plague every day as healthcare workers. And we can support them by asking God to protect them and to protect their families. We can support them by sending them messages of appreciation and encouragement, just thanking them for what they're doing. We might even drive by a hospital or clinic near our house and just pray, extend a hand and pray for that health facility and bless everyone in it, not just the Christian doctors and nurses, but the non-Christian ones and, and the patients. And these are ways that we can run into the plague. First of all, <laughs> by staying home. <laughs> Secondly, by going on prayer walks. 
and just blessing our neighborhoods and then praying for our brothers and sisters who are physicians and healthcare workers and also for all the medical staff and all the patients. As I close, I just pray that the example of those early Christians in the story of Cyprian's plague will inspire us and motivate us to respond to this pandemic of 2020 as they did, with faith, with peace, with joy, with hope, with compassion, with love. So may God grant us the grace to be the church before the eyes of an unbelieving world that many, 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 through our example, may be drawn to Christ. Thank you very much. Hey, we want to thank you so much for tuning in today for Thursdays are for thinking. I hope that you have been encouraged and inspired and challenged to lean into this current situation, not with fear and anxiety, but full of faith, knowing that we can make a difference. I love what Pastor Jack said about praying for your neighbors and praying for your friends. We are called to be a people of prayer and pray we will. In fact, I encourage you as soon as this podcast is over to take the next 90 seconds and pray. Pray for the first 10 people that come to mind and know that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. God bless you. Have a great day.